0: Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now here's our message.
1: All right, hey, happy Father's Day. Today is the day that you honor your local priest. I like priests, by the way. They're pretty cool. All right. Now, why is respect so important to men? Okay? Why is it so important? Well, we're going to get into that in just a moment. But I, as I'm reminiscing and thinking about Father's Day, I, I always wake up on Father's Day and I think of my dad. And uh, I have his Bible in my possession, which is really pretty amazing, but I, I, I like to think about him because you know he's someone that departed early in my life. My dad, I I remember the day that I became a believer. I was, yeah, you know, there's a picture of my dad. Isn't that cool or what? Okay. <laughs> Obligatory clap, please. Okay. You're saying, uh, never mind. Okay. Now <laughs> I can remember the day I became a believer, he gave an altar call at church, he was a pastor. I went down front and I found out that, you know, uh, he said, look, we're going to go talk to him, I'll I'll, I'll see if he really knows what he's doing. Next week I came down, sure enough, and then I was baptized, and it was amazing. We lived in a a rural community, so that means that most of us started driving at age seven or eight. (laughs) So he taught me how to drive on those country roads, in those huge, big Pontiac Bonneville. Uh, my dad was a pastor, but he grew up as a country boy. And instead of playing golf and other activities for relaxation, he decided to buy some pigs. So we would make uh, daily trips out to the hog pen. I never forgot those, especially the day that my brother's, uh, my mom dropped me off at the hog pen. She just bought me a brand new pair of red, kids, tennis shoes, and they thought that that would be the right day for me to learn how to ride one of the pigs. They said, come on, Dave, we're going to have a pig rodeo. Anyway, mom wasn't happy with the shape of my shoes. But I also remember the day that he died, and I thought I was eight years old, and I just thought my world has completely come to an end. I don't even know how to navigate or even to think about what my life will be like. And so I listened to the stories from my mom and from my brothers and sisters and his mom and dad and his siblings, and he he sort of became kind of a mythical figure in my life. But he was somebody that really, uh, for me, was an example, even though he wasn't specifically a part of my life. I'd like to read you some comments from folks. They were asked the question... What do you admire most about your father? Ed Zimmerman, Jr., age 51, says, He's a great dad. He taught us everything I needed to know and helped me become who I am today. Uh, Travis, 22, said, He's a very ambitious and loyal. He'll do whatever he can to aid and assist you and help you better yourself. Another son said, I admire his ambition, his drive, his work ethic, just him as an all-around person, how real and honest he can be. Another said, my dad was in the military, so we learned a lot of respect from him and hard work. My dad takes me for who I am, and I appreciate that because I'm a nut. He loves my dogs as his own grandchildren, grandpuppies. My dad supports me in everything I do, even if it's stupid. He has a lot of dad jokes, and I appreciate them because uh, my husband picks up on them. And he gave me a standard of what I needed from my own husband and how I should be treated. I think that's a big part of life with my dad. As you'll notice, there's a common theme running through this, these descriptions and this thankfulness. And that is, I appreciate his hard work. I, be, I appreciate his dedication. I appreciate that he was there. Dads don't always say a lot, but just being there means a whole lot to us, right? Hard work, sacrifice seems to be a common theme. But listen, it's the inner workings of a man that very few know what truly drives him. I mean that. This is why it's important to respect a man why he wants it. I'll make this statement to you. Because without respect, men feel lost in the world with no purpose. Like it or not, men need to contribute to feel needed. Someone that you can depend on. We are, and I'm sorry, this will be controversial, as men, we are a merit-based group. We are. We judge ourselves not by who we are, but by what we do. And what we do defines who we are. And you say, well, that's not necessarily biblical. I know. I know that, but it doesn't change the facts. Men, men are a lot different than what you may think because they are not like the type of people who love going on the Oprah show. Can I just come on your show and cry? No. That would be like a nightmare for me. Like if I, I have dreams that I wake up and I'm sitting across from Oprah, and she goes, so tell me the inner workings of your life. You know? I don't have any. Within each man, okay, here's another thing. There's someone who's very insecure about their place in the world. And you say, wait a minute, men are tough and macho. Mm -hmm. Without respect, our group has nothing. He's thinking, okay, women, wives. He's thinking, how could she love me when she doesn't respect me? Okay? Because here's the thought. My mama loved me. Oh, little baby. We had that, gosh, we had that ba- grandbaby over at the house this morning. I'm telling you what, folks, I came this close not showing up to work today. <laughs> that kid is, I'm telling you what, oh, man, it's the best. I mean, my, my kids are okay, but that grandkid, I mean, that's, that's somebody amazing. But a man needs to feel that he is contributing, that he's someone worthy of respect. And I don't care where you go, whoever it is, that is just part and parcel to our story. Years ago, I worked at Calvary of Albuquerque, a lot of fun, a lot of great people there. And one of the things that I did is I, I, um, I reviewed books for the bookstore and so occasionally I'd pop in the back, go look at the review shelf, pull one out. And I saw this book titled For, um, For Women Only. For Women Only. And of course, I thought, well, I got to read this, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's find out what's going on. <laughs> it wasn't a very long book. But I couldn't stop reading it, and I finished it that evening. And I was shocked. It was written by Shanti Feldhahn, and the the premise of the book was an accident. She's a novelist, and she was writing uh, about getting ready to write about a man. And so she started talking to her husband. She's a Christian. Her husband's a Christian. They belong to a, a good community of believers. And so they, she started asking and surveying his friend's questions about men. And she asked the questions in such a way that she thought, I know the answer to this. And she said, I was shocked because the men opened up and told me what was really going on. And as I had interviewed them and spent more time with them, I had come to realize that women need to know this about men because men don't necessarily volunteer this information, do we? Right, gals? Okay, I'm not being mean to you, but it's like, I just wish he would open up. <laughs> He's like a clam. If I could only get that little thing in there and get him opened up, I would find all the pearls that I was looking for, or an oyster. Anyway, beyond that, it's kind of hard to crack that code. But she said it, it It takes her back to a time when she was in college, maybe a couple of years in. She went to a retreat. And at some point, the leader of the retreat said, look, guys sit on this side of the room. Gals sit on this side of the room. And this is what he said. He he said, I'm going to ask you to choose between two bad things, he said. If you had a choice, would you rather feel all alone and unloved in the world Or would you rather feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone? I remember thinking, what kind of choice is that? Who would ever choose to feel unloved? The speaker then turned to the men's side of the room. He said, okay, men, who here would rather feel alone and unloved? And a sea of hands went up like a giant gasp rippled across the women's side of the room. And the speaker then asked, which men would rather feel disrespected and only a few men raised their hands. Here's the deal. Men need love just like everybody else. That's a human need. God created us with that, the need for that love. However, if I have to choose between love or respect, I'll take respect every time. Right? Let me Just a quick survey here. Any brave man willing to tell the truth? Would you rather be respected or would you rather be loved? Who would rather be respected? All right. Who would rather be loved? A few. Yeah. That's great. But it... it It it, it sort of lets you into a little bit of the world there. Now, when we think of respect, okay, we think that respect is something that is earned, right? But love should be unconditional, right? Well, you have to earn my respect. Well, wait a minute. It's the same as telling somebody, you need to earn my love. Wait, that doesn't sound right, does it? Earning respect does, well, because there's an altruism that says, you know, as you're going out into the world and you're making your way, you have to learn to work and conduct your life in such a way that you garner the respect of your peers, your community, and people around you. That's that's earned, especially from people who don't know you, right? But when it comes to your mate. When it comes to the person that you're with, it's a totally different story, okay? Now, let's read Ephesians chapter 5. All of you know this pretty well, but it's worth reading again, especially we'll focus in on verse 33, but let's start at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That means like when you come into a relationship as a marriage, it's a covenant, and the two of you... Of, of your own free will are coming together to, to uh, build a life together, not apart, but together, okay? Wives, submit yourselves to your husband as to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, that doesn't mean that women are less than men. We all know that to be true. But it means what he's, he's trying to do here is show the relationship between Christ as the, the Lord of the church in relationship to the church. He said, now, as the church submits to Christ, wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her and washing her with the water through the word and present her to himself, a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. He's saying, look at the same commitment that Jesus has with the church who sacrificed himself, who's willing to give himself completely for the church. He says, that's the way marriage should be. And that's the way husbands should Uh, view their wives. In the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own body, he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it uh, their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So he, he says, listen, this joining together, the coming together of two is, is such a covenant and commitment that it means that the two are no longer separate, but one and together. And, and he says, men, if you're going to love your wife, you need to love her as yourself. She's not a, different than you. She's not apart from you. She's not over, she, she is a part of your life and treat her that way, period as paramount as the highest um, uh, commitment. All right, verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So you see the two are intermingled in his, in his presentation here, but verse 33 is where we're gonna take you today. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, not to be selfish, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, it seems like, just for a little bit, like that the, the wife's kind of getting off kind of easy. <laughs> I mean, respect, it's pretty easy to give respect. Well, not if you believe it is merit-based, okay? Dr. Egrich, who wrote the book uh, Love and Respect, he and his wife... Um, in fact, it's a part of our premarital curriculum here at the church. He says, We've become such a love-dominated culture within Christianity. Dr. Eggert says, Like the Beatles, all you need is love. So we've come to think that love should be unconditional. But respect must be earned. Instead, what men need is unconditional Respect to be respected for who they are, that is, our husbands, apart from how they do. All right? Which means, that that's the case, that love is a choice, right? Because love's a feeling. You know, first you're all like, oh my goodness, you can't believe this person I just met today. We rode on the bus for like four hours. We shared everything, and we're so Spend three weeks on vacation together. I can't believe what I ever saw in that person. That kind of stuff goes and flows. But, but when you decide to get married, you're saying, okay, this is a, 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 a real choice that I'm making. Okay? And I'm making a choice to be in love, to stay in love, to continue to love. Okay? Because you should live with somebody long enough. They'll give you enough reasons to not love them for the rest of your life. Amen? Hallelujah? Get a shout out? All right. Now, so that's important, right? However, learning to love a husband in a way that he feels respected, a part, unconditional respect, okay? That is, how would you give that to someone? Why would you give that to someone? Now, I know, let's clear the air a little bit here. I know... That some of you have been in bad relationships, even abusive relationships, relationships that are just so treacherous, and maybe it failed, and you're feeling like this is some kind of judgment upon you. It is not. What's in the past, the great thing about the past, it's in the past. You got it. It's in the past, it's not in the present. The past is in the past. So what that means for us is, going forward, we need to think more carefully. Because, listen, I want to share stuff with you women. I know, guys, just relax. This is like an easy Sunday for you. (laughs) Usually you're like, oh, we're going to get hammered today. Not today. But I want to share this with, with you ladies, because the reason I want to is not to condemn or for you to judge yourself or for you to think that I'm judging you. I'm not. Um... But other people are. No, no, I'm not. not. But what what I what I want you to know is, is that if you're married to somebody, you have somebody that you've committed to take care of and to be with, you can either be a help or a hindrance. And I know that most of you want to help. You want to see this person thrive. And a part of that is learning to give respect apart from deserving it, okay? All right? He doesn't deserve my respect. Okay. Oftentimes, here's the deal. Feelings follow our words and actions rather than the other way around. If you regularly disparage your husband to him or to your friends, don't be surprised if you feel contempt coming back at you or that you feel contempt in your own heart. You hear that old phrase, fake it till you make it? We always laugh at that, but you know what? In marriage, it's true. I, I'm a terrible marriage counselor, by the way. I had a friend; it was their first service, and and he came to me for marriage advice. And afterwards, you know, we met again, and he said, "You're a terrible counselor." <laughs> I said, "Thank you. I've worked hard at that for many years." Because I just simply say, listen, if you can fall in love with a person once, you can fall in love with them a hundred times. If you made a commitment to be with them, just do it. Just get it done. You know? Just go. You know? Just, I don't know. This is really good because it's cutting down on anybody thinking they need to have a counseling appointment with me. (laughs) But I remember telling... Uh, someone had come to my office, and they said, you know, I just, I'm just so sick, sick of my husband. I said, well, that's okay. We're all sick of your husband. Anyway, but <laughs> I didn't say that. But what do I do? I said, were you ever love, in love with this person? Yes, I was. Okay. Well, then do it again. But I don't feel like it. I don't feel like he deserves it. He probably doesn't deserve it. Fake it till you make it. And she said, well, that's terrible advice. No, it's not. It's great advice. Because saying it and doing it because you know it's right helps create it into reality. You notice that? I remember I used to put it on my calendar because I kept just forgetting to call my wife and to say, you know, just neglecting. She's home with the kids. I'm doing my job. It's, you know. And so I started putting it on a calendar. And even to this day, at work, whenever I'm at work, when it's around noon to one o'clock, I call and see how our day's going. At first, I had to be remind, put a reminder on my phone to do it. It wasn't like I was daydreaming all the time going, oh, I wonder what she's up to. Like, no, I better give her a call. And this Friday, you better bring her some flowers. That sounds kind of stupid, doesn't it? But it worked really great because now it's just a part of my life, and I can't wait to call her. And I can't imagine not calling her when I'm at work. I can't imagine not doing that. It, it, the practice of doing what was right and was good and was helpful makes it happen for you. So don't feel like people have to deserve something. The question is. Have you made a commitment to this person? And if you have, if you want them to flourish, then start doing it. Because it helps. Because marriage is not about, well, I'm just not getting what I wanted out of this. Really? Really? That's it? That's the the best you got? Because if that's it, things aren't going to work. But if you say, look, I didn't know I married such a mess, but now that I have... I realize that if they're going to flourish I need to be a part of that, period. I need to be a part of that. Not because they deserve it, but because your life deserves it. To honor God deserves it. And I know, gals, many of you have married some scoundrels that you're so thankful that they are out of your life. I'm not going to... I know this is all complex. It's hard to to deal with every issue within the context of 38 minutes. If you ever wondered how long I preach, it's 38 minutes. (laughs) (sighs) It's hard to, but I'm giving you a general principle that you can make a difference in someone's life. You can give people compliments. I was... I started doing the same. I like to keep money, even though the city says you shouldn't do this, but I try to keep cash or something in my car because when I see somebody and I'm stopped and they're standing out in the sun, no matter whether they deserve it or whatever it is, i I'm going to say hello and because I can't sit there and ignore somebody. You ever do that? You're sitting at the light and somebody's right there with a sign and they're hungry and they're all hot sitting there and you're like, don't see a thing, don't see a thing. I'm not affected, I am lying, I'm dying inside. I just rolled down the window, hey, what's going on? I just wanted to say hi, I don't have any money today, sorry about that. But I did want to say that I'll pray for you, and I'll try to have some cash when I come back around. So this morning I was heading in, and I was like, God, ah, there's a guy, I don't have any money. And so I pulled down, and I said, hey, I just want to say Good morning and I hope you're having a great day. With that said, I don't have any money. He said, no care, bro. Thank you. There's so much controversy as to how you're to treat somebody who's panhandling. But I don't care. I don't care. Do they deserve it? Well, they should be getting a job. (laughs) Shut up. I mean, really. I don't want to live with that kind of garbage on top of me where I have to judge somebody. I just see a human being and, I uh, hey, how's it going? I notice you. I see you. I don't have any money, but I see you. So I try to keep some on me. But I don't, I'm not saying that to, to lift myself up, although I do sound pretty cool when I was listening to what I was saying there. but here's the point. You don't always do the right thing because somebody deserves it. You just do it because it's right. You just do it because it's right. I've been married for 30 years. That's a testimony to my wife. She's been doing what's right for 30 years, (laughs) even though I don't deserve it, but she's been doing what's right. And so, ladies, you have a big, big point in this. In interviews, Shanti said a large number of men who said something like this, when my wife says something disrespectful, I often think, I can't believe she doesn't know how that makes me feel. Goes on to say, no matter what we think we are saying, ladies, in the end, what matters is what the guy is hearing. You ever notice that? How we communicate one thing and we think that we're saying something, but you hear it differently differently ladies let me give you an example you married you make the mistake of asking your husband what do you think of my hair okay know that you're asking somebody that may not be the most qualified person in the room I don't know looks good I think that's what women wear right and that's not what she wants to hear. And, and you can just feel yourself digging a hole as you're going further. And you're like, why would anybody ask me that question? Especially me. Why anybody would ever ask me? But, but certain things come out of your mouths, lady, that sounds perfectly normal to you. You're not meaning them to be disrespectful. You're not meaning, but the guy is thinking something else. He's asking for affirmation. What my, what your spouse is asking when they say, "How's my hair?" is they're asking, "Do you think I look good enough to go outside? Do I look in a way that represents who I am?" and and in that sense, you can say, "Oh yeah, it looks great." And in the same way, our communication with each other can really uplift, or let us down. She said, dozens of men told me how painful it was when their wives or girlfriends would criticize them in public. She said, one man, one married man, put it so starkly, he said, the male ego is the most fragile thing on the planet. Women have this thought that they've got such a huge ego that I need to take him down a peg. No way. The male ego is incredibly fragile. Okay? That's something we don't want people to know. One of the things that men deal with is the imposter syndrome. We feel like if people really knew who we guys, I'm gonna tell on you, brace it up. If people really knew who I am and how inadequate I am at the task at hand, they'll call me out and I'll be a fraud. Men, be brave. Any of you ever feel that way? Yeah, five of you. rest of you are liars. Okay. (laughs) God saw your lie. Okay. Anyway, there's a sense that it's really weird. You think you guys are supposed to be macho. You're supposed to be tough. You're out doing all this stuff. Yeah, it's because... There's something within the nature of who we are that tells us that you better perform. There's competition out there. You better get it done because you'll be judged based upon what you accomplish and what you do. No one really cares for you just as a person. What we get and the, the messaging that we have is that they will care in as much as you can contribute and you can do. And you say, well, that's not fair. Life isn't fair. And men like it. We love the thought of a challenge. I'd, ladies, let me just tell you, one of men's daydreams You're on a plane or something, kind of falling asleep a little bit. You're daydreaming, of like all of a sudden, the captain comes on. We're having technical technical difficulty. Our uh, captain has just passed out, and we've laid him on the floor. Is there anyone here who can fly the plane? The guy's thinking, never flown a plane, but I can do it. You get in the cockpit, and with amazing acumen, you just figure everything out, and you land the plane, and they say, sir, we owe our lives to you, and, and, and the man responds with, yeah, but it's okay, kid. You go get him." That's, guys love that, and I don't know Why? And you can, you can come up with all your theories and talk about, you know, toxic manhood. And it's because of patriarchal society. Listen, human beings, men and women have been human beings, have been men and women for a long time. And they've been getting in caves or huts or out in the plain in tents and making kids and building lives for a long time. And people can come up with various theories, but genetically I think we're heading down the same path. I say that not to put us down, but to lift us up. If you truly believe that you're created by God, then there are some consistencies there with great variance, all right? No matter what we think we're saying, in the end it matters what the person is hearing. Now, Shanti was having a conversation with her husband, Jeff. I I got to know them pretty well because after I read her book, I just thought, gosh, this person's great. Her husband wrote a companion book uh, for men only, and we got them together, and they came out and gave us a conference here in Albuquerque, and they're just so great people. But she goes on to say that she had a, a, a talk with her dad and her husband. She was asking this question. She said, does it make a difference if a wife is teasing him or her man in front of other men or women? Her dad responds, oh, it's much worse in front of men. After an accident early on in our marriage, I ask your mom, please don't ever embarrass me in front of another man. Shanti asked, why? Dad, Guys are always in competition with one another. Your wife is the person who knows you better than anyone, and if she doesn't respect you, how can you expect another man to respect you? Sometimes that's all a guy has. And I'm not asking you to feel sorry for him. I'm just asking you to understand and help when you can. She said me back to the question. Dad, He says, you have to understand, men don't let down their guards easily, particularly with other men, unless they're very close. That's true. Most men probably crave a situation where they can, but they aren't naturally made that way. It's all about competition. Instead, the only time a guy's guard is completely down is with the woman he loves, so she can pierce his heart like no one else. I remember that when we first got married and as time went on, I I realized that just how much power my wife had in my life, I'm like, she knows everything. I mean, she knows exactly where to put the knife. Other people would be stabbing around. But she would, I mean, She knows my deepest insecurities. And to feel that vulnerable in front of someone, especially as a man, is scary. Sort of like I'm handing over to you the ability to, to destroy me emotionally. It's a tough thing. And so if that person, he feels that that person doesn't respect him, he doesn't have respect anywhere. He goes out as the imposter, the fraud, puts on his suit, puts on a nice face, gets his hair cut, walks into the office. How's it going, John? Ha ha, perfect. Great day. My wife thinks I'm an idiot. Okay. And I'm not saying that every marriage depends upon the wife. No, 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 no. The approach to marriage should be I told this person that I would love him. I told this person I would be committed to him. Therefore, <coughs> that means that I have to help out. It's, we talked about the critic last week. It's easy to be a critic, especially when you get to know someone. I can't believe you do that. You know, you need to change this. You need to change that about You need to change that. It's so easy to do. But I tell you what, women, when your husband is being critical against you, It hurts, doesn't it? And you hear oftentimes couples say, if he really believes that about me, he surely can't love me. That ever come out of your mouth? And a guy says, if she believes that about me, if she doesn't have any respect for me, surely she doesn't love me. And there's nobody in the world... Made to fix that like you are, like he is. Nobody. Nobody can do that. But you can come along. You can be the person who knows the insecurities, who knows the problems, and 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 they know, your spouse knows, your husband knows, that it is safe with you. You're gonna protect that like a bull like it was a grandchild. <laughs> like I'm telling you, don't any of you ever come at my grandkid. I'm just saying right now, that's a joke. I didn't think any of you would, but, but there's a sense that you would protect that. And, and you want to be the person that protects that so that they know they're on my side. When the chips are down, they're on my side. But if you take information and the insecurities of a person who feels insecure you don't go to an insecure person and say, why don't you just grow up? You need to grow up. You need to be more secure. I can help your insecure. Listen, you don't tell somebody that's insecure that. You tell the person, let me tell you what, I'll follow you to the grave. And nobody is gonna touch that part of your life. I've got your back, and I'm your biggest supporter, and I maybe there are days that I can't stand you. <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't stop my commitment. Just like you would hope that your man would be the guy who says, I don't care what happens to you. Piano falls on your head. I'll still look at you and go, you know what? I think just a little touch up with a haircut will be just fine. You look great. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. I am not going to expose your insecurities. I am going to build them up so that you can make it because I'm for you and you were for me. And we have that ability with each other. That's just the way it is. And you can either choose to help or not. Okay. It comes down to assumptions. That's really the big deal here is assumptions. What we pick up from each other are the things that we assume. If your spouse, your husband gets the idea that you feel that he doesn't know what he's doing, the assumption is I need to help him. The assumption is I need to give him advice. The assumption is he doesn't know what he's doing. That gets broadcast and received really good all the time. Because when someone knows that you assume the worst, you assume maybe not the best, it means that they view you less than. You get that? we all on the same page here? Okay, good response. <laughs> but, on the other hand, if through your communication and your actions over time and through the years, they understand that, you know what, this person assumes the best about me. And when they understand that they assume the best about me, it inspires me to want to be the best that they assume me to be. How many kids do you know do really well when you tell them, you know what? can't wait for you to get to school because you're such a loser here at home. I can't wait till you get to school and everybody else can find out what a loser you are. And then you find out the kid doesn't excel in anything. I wonder why. But at the same time, if you're like, hey, you know what? You're doing pretty good. I think if you get out there and try, you can do a great job. People will go for it. It's just, it's, things like that are so simple, but we get caught up in our world and we don't really count the measure of our words. In fact, let me read you um, uh, something from Shanti's book. She says, one man powerfully put it this way. He said, always assume the best and you'll find it easier to show respect. Simple as it sounds from now on, we can choose to show that we appreciate, trust, and respect the men in our lives and choose not to demonstrate disrespect, starting with never humiliating them. That builds trust and assumption like nothing else. And believe me, gals, I know, guys, we give you plenty of reason. And I'm not talking about in the heat of a moment where you say things that you shouldn't, but the general feeling that you project to that person can help change the course of their life and yours consequently. She said, another man told me, you know what? You know that old saying, behind every man is a great woman? He said, well, it's so true. If a man's wife is supportive and believes in him, he can conquer the world or at least his little corner of it. And he will do better at work, at home, Everywhere. By contrast, very few men can do well at work or at home if their wives make them feel inadequate. Reason that I believe this and the reason that I'm preaching it this Sunday morning is because I believe that men are under assault. Manhood is under assault. I. And it's not good for any society. It's not good for our culture. It's not good for families. There is an assault on families. As if human flourishing didn't happen within communities and with families. That's the way it has always flourished. Here's a note to young men and to boys. Don't let anyone school Neighbor, friend, anybody, (coughs) shame your child for who they are. I look at my little grandson. He just, man, he's ready to light up the world with that smile. I'm just thinking, what kind of crazy, amazing person is this going to be? The thought of anybody telling him, Uh, He needs to avoid toxic masculinity. He needs to learn to to find, you know, to not be who he is. He needs to take classes to figure out to be somebody else. I'll tell you what I'd do to that person that would ever say that to that kid. You're in trouble. And we should care for our boys that way. Listen, I'm going (laughs) to say something else that's going to seem controversial. But this month is Pride Month. right? And I'm an American. And I, I believe in the liberties that we have here. And because of that, I will fight for anyone's right to be who they are and to, you, to speak freely in this country. Because if I don't fight for their rights, well, then I'm going to lose mine and you're going to lose yours. And so when it comes to someone being proud of who they are, either gay or bisexual or whatever it is, uh, as a member of this society, I say, hey, that's your right. It's your civil right in this country to do so. But I want to keep my right as well. And I don't believe that in order to lift yourself up, you need to knock somebody else down and to take a whole generation of young boys and tell them that they shouldn't be boys and that it's bad to be a boy is shameful. shameful. Do you want good men in this world or worthless men? If you want good men, and build them up. Help them be who they need to be. If you want good women, build them up and help them who they need to be. But don't let anybody tear somebody down because of the way they were born. It's wrong. It's sick. It should hurt you in your spirit. Fight anybody who would downgrade another human being. I'm not against the gay community or anybody in the trans community. I have friends. I do so because that's what it means to be a good human being. Do I agree with everyone? Absolutely no. I don't agree with myself from five years ago. (laughs) And I think me in the future is not going to agree with me very much. I don't know. But does that mean that we treat people different, give them disrespect, hate somebody? No. And in turn, we can expect from people who don't necessarily like us to say, listen, you can't talk that way and you can't say that about these children. Moms, help your kids be proud of who they are. My dad died. But my mama, she taught me how to be a man. You hear me say, mama, that just came out. My mama. (laughs) Well, mama. (laughs) I remember she told me. She said, "You see them those boys over there? Live over that house over there. They don't work. They're lazy. And it brings disgrace to their mom and dad. If you ever." This is a woman talking. If you ever. I ever hear anybody calling you lazy, I'm coming straight for you, young man. Your dad didn't raise you, and I'm not raising you to be that way. She taught me to respect women, she taught me to be proud that I'm a man. I owe all of my confidence and good things and raising in my life to women. My mom was a woman, my sister. My wife is a woman. My two daughters are women. And they have such an influence in my life. And I wouldn't know how to be a man without them. So ladies, don't expect him to get it on his own. He probably won't. Amen. (laughs) He'd still be living it, sitting in his car with a bag of chips and one sock on his foot and a flip-flop on the other. (laughs) You can help make him respectable. Maybe a challenge, but it'll be worth it. (sighs) Love you guys. Thank you for letting me say what's on my heart. It's kind of hard to preach this I tell you what, I think it's necessary. And I wouldn't do it if I didn't love you, if I didn't love your kids. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for the way that you care for us, the way that you love us. The way that you love us as individuals and you love us collectively. Who we are with all our warts, with all our good things, potential and faults. Lord, help us men to be better men, to kind of men that make people proud. And give those around us, Lord, to carry the grace to help us when we don't. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.